Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? The 11th book of the Old Testament. Listen to the Word of the Lord. Oops. You don't need, it. You don't need to see that again. Come here, Elijah said, to all the people. Come here to me. And they came. They came to him. Now listen to these next words. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. You may be seated. The altars of the Lord are of great value to me. When I think about back at altars, I think of the altar that was at the Fairmount Methodist Church that at the age of 16 I knelt at and gave my heart to Jesus Christ. It was at that same altar on a Sunday night that God baptized me in the Holy Spirit. And it was that same altar I knelt on a Sunday morning where God called me into full-time ministry. I thank God for altars. It was at the altar of the Clinton Presbyterian Church in Clinton, New Jersey, where I said my wedding vows to my wife till death do us part. I thank God for altars. It was at the altar of Bunvale Assembly of God where we dedicated our firstborn, Pastor Bonnie, to the Lord. It was at the altar of Valley Chapel in Clifton, New Jersey, where we dedicated our secondborn, Aaron, to the Lord. It was at the altar of St. Peter's Methodist Church in Ocean City, New Jersey, that I was ordained as an Assembly of God minister. It was at the altar of full gospel assembly of God in Winchester, Virginia, that on one Sunday night, God poured out his spirit on 10 young people and filled them with God's spirit. It's at altars I have seen people give their lives and are saved. It's at altars I have seen people healed. It's at altars I've seen relationships reconciled. It's at altars I've seen marriages restored. It's at altars where I've seen people delivered from life-controlling problems. Can you thank God for altars? I love the scripture verse when Elijah says... He calls the people to rebuild the altar. For me, altars are, in out throughout Scripture, you find altars are a place of promise where people receive the promises of God. Altars are a place of anointing. Altars are a place of covenant. Altars are a place of transition. Altars are a place of empowerment. Altars are a place where people receive new identities. I want to tell you the most beautiful sound I have ever heard in churches. It's not the sound of some great preacher preaching, nor is it the sound of great singers singing. But it's the cry, it's the prayers, and it's the worship at altars of people. 
To me, it is the most beautiful sound I've ever heard in a church. Elijah knew, Elijah knew that if he could bring the altar back to Israel and Israel back to the altar, he could bring Israel back to God. Well, it's holiday season. Stacy, you, you have what? A couple more months before your big holiday. April 25th. You like this cold weather? Stacy is up. She's Jeff Van Boer's uh, fiance up from Florida. Just passed the bar exam. So she's an official attorney now. And on April 25th, her and Jeff are going to tie the night knot, and we're going to tie that tight, man. What an honor, man. I'm looking so forward to that. Most of you know, and maybe some of you don't, during the holiday season, I love to set the holiday table. I love to set the table. I, I, love the, I, just, I just love it. I, I love to set the table. Can I set the table where we are in history for a moment? In Acts, chap- I mean in Acts, in Kings chapter 16, Ahab becomes king. And this is what the scripture says about Ahab. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Now, how many know that he must have been pretty bad? You, you know the stories of King Ahab. As a result... The Lord summons Elijah to go tell Ahab that it's, there's neither going to be dew nor rain for a few years. There's going to be neither dew nor rain for a few years. Now, all of us have lived through drought conditions before where it hasn't rained for maybe a couple months. But I don't know, has any, everybody, anybody ever gone through a drought where it hasn't been any precipitation for a few years? Could you imagine if we didn't have a rain or any type of precipitation for a few years? Now, with winter coming upon us, we're hoping for no precipitation. (laughs) And there was a drought. There was a famine throughout Israel. But how many know that during famines... God always take care of his own. In the difficulties and the trials of life, God will always take care of his own. And God provided for Elijah by sending him to a ravine where there was water and ravens would come and fly and drop pieces of meat down to him so he can eat. It says a few, uh, a few time later, the, the ravine dried up and we find Elijah going to a widow woman in Zarephath where she sustained him with food. Well, after a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah and says, Go present yourself to Ahab and tell him, I will send rain on the land. Now, you would think the king would be happy when he sees Elijah. But listen to how the king greets Elijah. Is that you, troubler of Israel? When I read that, I was 
reminded of a story I told a few weeks ago in Bible study on Wednesday nights about this older couple, Fred and Ethel. They were at a stoplight, and in front of them was another car, and two young people were in the car, and I mean, they were just as, I mean, they looked like a two-headed monster. They were just so close, and they were hugging one another, kissing one another while the light was there, and Ethel says, oh, look at that couple, Fred. I remember when we used to sit like that. And she takes the back of her hand and slaps him. What happened? And Fred's like, I didn't move. You would think the king, the leader of Israel, when he saw the man of God, there would be honor and respect. But we see how far Israel has backslidden. And Elijah basically says, hey, I'm not the one who moved. I have not made trouble for Israel. Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have made choices to put you in the predicament that you find yourself today. With that, in chapter 18, Elijah summons the people of Israel along with the 450 prophets of Baal up to Mount Carmel. As Elijah assesses the situation, Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And Elijah, basically, after assessing what's taking place, he draws the battle line. It reminds me sort of of Joshua in chapter 24. Choose you this day who you are going to serve. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. It's kind of funny that the prophet of Baal is known for the God of fertility and rain and harvest, and now they're in a time of drought. So Elijah summons the people up there on the mountain. This is what we're going to do. He summons the prophet of Baal that you make an altar, and I'll make an altar. You cut up the sacrifice, I'll cut up the sacrifice. You will call upon your God to send fire, and I'll call upon my God to send fire. And Elijah basically says, you go first. And after a long period of time, and Elijah even taunting them, saying, maybe you should yell a little louder. Perhaps your God's on vacation, or maybe he's on the throne. The Living Bible says maybe he's in the toilet. Nothing happened. And Elijah draws the Israelites to the altar he built. I believe that the greatest need 
of this hour are for men and women to rebuild the altars. When I think about the altar, I'm not talking about a piece of wood or a railing. True story, sad story. I know a man, I knew a man who was having an affair. One day he comes home from work and there's a box. He unwraps it and it's a altar. Do you know you can buy personal altars that you can make out of wood and screw it together? I, that was kind of a slap in the face. I'm not talking about an altar made with wood or stones. But here in Kings 18, in verse 42, I want to show you the altar I'm talking about. The altar I'm talking about is when Elijah climbed up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bent down to the ground. I don't know if I can do this. He bent down to the ground. And he put his face between his knees. You see, an altar is a meeting place with God. An altar is where a place where our hearts are surrendered, our hearts are consecrated, our hearts are committed, our hearts are humble, our hearts are obedient, our hearts are found faithful to the will of God. The need for this hour is for men and women to reestablish a meeting place where they meet with God. You see, the church that doesn't have an altar will falter. Why are families, why are marriages suffering today? Because we have forsaken the altar. Elijah says this, or Jeremiah says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me. Hey, let me be honest. We're all entitled to personal opinions. But like the altar had to be restored to Israel and Israel restored to the altar, there's no hope for America until we restore the altars of God once again. The only hope for America today is found at the altar. They have forsaken me. The spring of living water. The spring is a a perpetual source of, of, of supplies. And they have forsaken that perpetual source of supplies for what? They've tried to do things on their own. They've, dung, they, they, they've dug their own wells only to find out that the wells that they have made cannot contain water. Boy, doesn't it sound like the affairs of human beings today. We have forsaken God thinking we can do a better job on our own, yet we build things that leak and don't provide. The greatest need of this hour is for us to rebuild the altars in our home, to rebuild the altars in our church, to rebuild the altars of America. Remember, don't ever forget, Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. As Elijah assessed the situation, 
he knew that Israel needed to come back to the altar. Now let's take a look at the action that took place. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes that descending from Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, your name shall be Israel. And with those stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. On Wednesday nights, we just finished the book of Malachi. We're now doing Haggai. And I'm reminded how the Lord said, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. The other thing I find so interesting in this story, with the action that he took place, he calls for an investment of the people. Did you ever notice that? Listen to how this story goes. As he arranges the altar and he cuts up the sacrifice, he says to them, fill up four large jars of water. The King James says barrels. And pour it on the offering and on the wood. What is Israel in the midst of? What is a priceless commodity? Water. What is he asking to do? To give up the very thing that's so sacred to them at this time, water. Now, here's the other thing I thought about. They're up on Mount Carmel. Gravity forces everything down. This was my question. Where are they getting the water from? Where are they getting the water from? It's in drought. And I sat there and I I wondered, did they carry water up with them? You know what I personally believe? You know what he's asking for? Elijah is asking for the people to give up their avion. Their Poland Springs. What's Sam's Club, their club mark? I, I really have a feeling that, you know, we'll invest in things we are interested in. Sometimes I go to ShopRite, and there's a cheerleading group out there with their little cans. Hey, where are you from? Well, we're from Middletown. I have no interest in giving to the cheerleaders in Middletown. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just like... Go to the Middletown shop, right? (laughs) But if they're from your own community, okay, what's a dollar? We invest in things we're interested. We make time for things we want to do. Even though we're so busy, we always find time for the things we want to do. Fill up four jars with water. And I could see some people who were so interested. They take their canteens and they start filling. Wherever they got this water from, they found it. And what I think is so fascinating is after they filled up those four and they dumped it on the sacrifice, Elijah says, Elijah says, do it again. 
And they fill up four jars again, pour it on the wood. And then Elijah says, do it again. Four, eight, twelve barrels of water of large jars. It says that the water flowed down, it soaked the wood, and it even flowed into the trenches that were dug. We'll get to the trenches in a minute. But here was my thought. Are our altars dry today? What do you mean, Pastor? Are our altars dry? When was the last time you wet your altar with tears for those who don't know Jesus? I think we're in this day and age where well, if God wants them saved, they'll just get saved. For goodness sakes, where is the crying and the weeping at the altars that we once knew for those who need Jesus, for family members, for relatives, for neighbors, for employers, for employees? Maybe the fire isn't falling. Because our altars are dry. Let me go back. He dug a trench. Man, we need to work around these altars. There at the altar, he dug a trench around the altar. You think, no big deal. But we're in the time of drought. Do you know how dry the ground must have been? And even up on a mountain, how hard it must have been. But Elijah did some hard work and he worked around that altar. You want to see the fire fall? We need to work around the altars more. It's hard work. But we'll invest in what we believe in, don't we? And when that water was poured, I I likened the water into the word of God and to the spirit. Maybe we don't see the fire fall today because we're not soaking ourselves in the spirit. And as the water went down and filled up the trenches, I believe it signifies the spirit filling the deep things in life. And oh, how we need to soak in the Spirit till it penetrates into the depths of our hearts. And then when Elijah did all he could do, Scripture says he stepped forward and prayed, Oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I, your servant, and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Great prayer. But so much like our human nature, 
We always put the cart before the horse, don't we? We have well intentions, and many of us have prayed this prayer many of times. But we haven't done the hard work around the altar, and we haven't wet the altar with our tears. You can't put the cart before the horse. When Elijah did everything he knew to do, then he stepped forward and prayed. And we read in Scripture, then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the wood and the sacrifice and the rocks and the soils and licked up the water out of the trenches. The fire fell and Israel was brought back to God. They bowed and worshiped. See the fire fall. And it just doesn't happen by stepping forward and praying. But we got a lot of work to do around the altar. We have a lot of hard work to do around the altar. Oh, we got to wet the wood. Because when the wood is wet, the fire will fall. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. How many know that America needs to be brought back to the altars of God? How many know that the church, I'm talking nationwide, I'm talking even personal church, we need to get back to the altar. Now let me get real personal. How many here need to rebuild their altar? You know what I find it amazing? I wasn't, but can I meddle for a moment? Let me just meddle for a moment. Isn't it amazing that we do not have time to get on our face before God but we'll have all the time in the world for Facebook isn't it mad amazing how we'll, we'll sit for hours reading people's blogs but we won't pick up God's blog to us for that day We live in such a technical world of technology. Just yesterday, we were sitting down watching something on Netflix, and halfway through it, it stopped because we lost connection with our internet. And then we spend 10 minutes. It's like Grandma and Grandpa, Heather and I. Why did you move? Did you turn that? Did you move that wire? No, no, it's so good. Well, and all of a sudden, it flickers and it comes on again. And then we're reconnected to finish watching the show. Isn't it funny today how it's so important to be connected to people and the internet? But we never forget, but, but we lose sight of, of being connected to the one who it's all about. 
I have dedicated this whole next week leading up to our services on Friday to personal prayer to do some hard work around the altar to make sure the altar is wet when Pastor Jamel comes on Friday night and on Sunday morning. Would you join me? Would you stand if you're able?